Welcome to another episode of Conic Detrimental. I'm Dan Lust. A party episode this week. Dan Wallach, Stephanie Weisberger, Taryn Sharma, and we're going to be joined by a guest in a little bit, AJ Perez. How about a collective? What's up, gang? What's up, gang? What's up, gang? So, Dan, our first episode back since you have now stepped foot back on U.S. soil. How's it feel? Uh, yeah, it feels like the uh, the ending of Midnight Express. I don't know if any of you guys saw that movie, you know, escaping from like a Turkish prison. Well, it wasn't that severe, <laughs> but my, my flight back from uh, Russia directly to my, it wasn't even direct. It was three days, two nights, two hotel rooms, three airports. I ultimately made it all the way back, but it took a lot out of me and it, it really wasn't until yesterday or the day before that I got my bearings back. So it's good to be home. And I'll be here for a while. So uh, looking, looking forward to reacquainting myself with the apartment and the um, beach. And the beach and just normal time zones. How about that? How about that, Dan? What we're going to do this episode, we're going to really focus in on, on one topic. And Steph, we're going to give you a lot of credit here. You know, friend of the show who's going to join us a little bit, AJ Perez at Front Office Sports, broke a story, which we're going to get into all the details with him. But the, the gist of the story is that the House Oversight Committee, while looking into the Washington commanders, basically heard some testimony, found some evidence of potential Washington cooking the books. And then, you know, the question started popping up on Twitter. Will this require Dan Snyder to sell his team? So what Stephanie did is basically took a thread from all the little trinkets and nuggets over time that we've heard on Washington and put it together in a thread that that really took off. So Stephanie did an appearance you know, on the radio shows. I saw in your replies, people were trying to get you on their podcast. So, uh, <laughs> you know, credit to you. Sometimes there can be a story, but that's why the lawyers are here to, write a, to dig a little bit deeper. So, and also Steph, congrats. I saw you changed your handle on Instagram. Steph, the lawyer now. What happened to Steph? Explain I did. It's not cool enough for you? I was like, uh, you know, maybe I'll change and make it a little bit easier. Stay tuned. The Twitter handle might get rid of the underscore soon. The underscore. So Ooh. be the on the lookout. Listen, if Weissenberger wasn't hard enough to spell, you throw an underscore <laughs> at the end. It's, it's, listen, it's problematic. And, and I don't, I know you've told me, oh, there's another S Weissenberger. No, there's not. That's not a real thing. You just made that up. Well, Twitter <laughs> wouldn't let me use it without the underscore. So who knows? Maybe I'll become Steph the lawyer on Twitter in addition Ooh. to Instagram. You guys will laugh. This is true story. So on, on Facebook, I grew up as Danny, which maybe you guys didn't know. So as I grew older, you know, I want to be Dan. Right? I don't want to be known as Dan. So I went to Facebook and I tried to change my name from Danny Lust to Dan Lust. And it goes, you cannot do that. Your name involves pornographic words. You can't change that. And I'm like, you can keep that word. That word's going to stay the same. It's the first name that needs to be changed. Marky Mark, if you're listening. Yeah, listen, I just want to change my first name. It shouldn't be that big of a deal. But we're going to have AJ on. Steph, we're going to put you on the panel. I guess before we do that, let's just uh, we'll hit some business. Themis Barov, you sponsored the UVA softball tournament. And Hunter Bedard was on our podcast a couple weeks back. He was saying that Florida's going to run stuff. They're going to go back to back to back. They're going to be the first softball dynasty, if that exists. Didn't go so well for, for Florida. Didn't go so well for our friend Hunter. I think they lost the first two games. Just, let's just say they were not the championship. And then I started digging around. I'm like, who won? I know Florida didn't. And then somebody sent me the uh, Obama meme. Taryn, I feel like you'll know this. You know when Obama gives the medal to himself? Yeah. <laughs> the winner of the yeah. UVA softball tournament was UVA. Not once, not twice. My understanding is that they won both the men's side and they won the Corex side. So maybe we should investigate. Maybe there's a sports law controversy in there. How does a team that hosts the tournament win both legs of the tournament? Maybe they're picking the refs. Maybe they're deciding which tree is a home run, which is a foul ball. I'm, I'm, maybe there's something here, team. Dan, it's almost like Dan Snyder hiring someone to investigate his own organization. 
Oh, well, except, would you look at that? Except we are independent. We are no Beth Wilkinson over here, okay? We will we will do this <laughs> the right way. But again, shout out to Themis. Those guys sponsored it. I said, I'm going to be there in person next year. So maybe uh, Conduct, we're sponsoring the New York Law School Sports Law Symposium. So maybe we'll sponsor a team in some way, shape, or form. Okay, let us get into uh, the interview with AJ. Yeah, we'll take it from there. So AJ, uh, people will know, is a you know sports reporter at Front Office Sports. He's been on with us a number of times. And wouldn't you know, friend of the show, broke the biggest story in the NFL in the past week. So without further ado, we will turn it over to AJ Perez. AJ, welcome to Conduct Detrimental. Quite the story you broke, my friend. Yeah, thanks for having me. So little little shake and bake action. You broke the story. During the Final Four, you had a story trend that had nothing to do with college basketball while the Final Four was going on during the Duke-UNC game. And then our own Stephanie, you know, applied some of her legal analysis on top of your report. And what we had was the beautiful blending together of sports business and sports law, what resulted in a viral thread. Steph, was that your first viral thread? Uh, Cleveland Guardians was up there when I made a thread on that one. But I mean, this one definitely surpassed. I just reached the over 1,000 likes. So. Wow. I'd All right. For a, for a very niche sports business, sports law article, I'd, I'd say that's viral. It's not like viral, viral, but in our world, that's, that's certainly big. So let's do something special, guys. We got, you know, the three of us up here. We got, obviously, myself. We got Dan. We got Taryn. And then we'll we'll make you two our, our experts here. Sports law, sports business. What do you guys say? Does this, does this sound, sound like this makes sense? Well, let's do it. Sounds like a plan. Okay, so I think only logical. AJ, you set off this firestorm. So the, the report that you broke was an interesting one. We were having a lot of fun with it. Dan Snyder, we, we made the joke for years, sports law bingo to a certain extent. This was not one that I, that I saw on my bingo card. Maybe someone else had it. But, you know, the House Oversight Committee, we've mentioned a couple of times on this podcast, has been investigating, really poking around the whole organization. But their, their main premise was really looking for sexual harassment, toxic workplace, sexual assault. And it seems like during the process of this investigation, what they stumbled onto was potentially evidence of Washington cooking the books. So I think it's quite the headline, but it's a little bit of karma, right? Snyder has done everything under the sun. Wouldn't you know, you allow Washington, you know, the government to poke around your organization. They lift up the hood. Sometimes you find some other stuff. So AJ, why don't you explain what you uncovered and how that influences the House Oversight Committee's investigation? I had a little indication a couple of weeks ago. I got a tip about this, some kind of shift in the investigation. Did no idea what that was. Um, and the, these oversight committees um, do not share information with us unless they want to. And, you know, but I started knocking on doors, actually literally knocked on doors two weeks ago on Capitol Hill, the three house office buildings. I went around to pretty much every member, uh, both on the GOP and the Democratic side, which is running this, uh, you know, which runs the house and runs this committee. And just just to make them just let them know that I was onto something. Um, and this is days before I went down to West Palm Beach for the owners meetings. So by the time I got down to West Palm Beach, I had pretty much a strong indication of, that it was something financial. And I actually looped in a couple of the, the team executives about that, you know, about that whole, you know, possibility that, that they're shifting. I had a couple sources by Tuesday, and then a leak source tells me while I was down there that they had known about this. I had no idea what this was, but it was something financial. And then, so at, fast forward to Thursday, we, I get back, and after I get back, we publish the story. But the same time the Washington Post does, I knew they were going to have, they were on it. Um, I don't know. They didn't have as nearly as much information as I did. That story took off. That's, that's where I actually performed better than the Sunday, the, the, sorry, than the Saturday story, which is kind of shocking. So then Saturday, yeah, during the final four, you know, we were in between my editor. It took me two out, took me most of the day to confirm what I had. And then I reached out to the team for comment two hours before the story went up. And by the time it went up between the two games, around the time of the 
the second game started, you know, that's when he ran with it. And I was very, and that, no one hasn't been disputed. You know, they, they have, they dispute what the validity of, you know, what this person knows, but not what I reported. That's kind of brings us to here. And I'm working on a couple other angles currently as we speak, but I'll get back to it after this. Well, if you want, we're with you for a few more minutes. If you want to break any news here, you're certainly more than welcome to this. This is it's a safe space. No one listens to this podcast. No, I think, and Stephanie and I were joking about this. Like Stephanie, as our listeners should know, Steph will post the audio soon, but Steph did an appearance on the Team 980 in Washington talking about your report and talking about a thread that she did that kind of unpacked maybe evidence of financial improprieties dating back a number of years. So when you report a story like this, you know, we, we can talk about defamation or, or any type of lawsuit. Stan Snyder is no stranger to suing people for what he claims could be false reporting. You got to be very careful. So I think, AJ, you, to your point, I think people need to know, make, posting a story like this about Dan Snyder comes with a, a, probably a few more checks that you would normally have to, because Snyder's a guy that would come after you. So I don't know. I mean, uh, it sounds like you, you verified this up and down, and then I'm seeing other people running with it. And uh, I have not heard any backtracking on the story so it was funny because i was on the next woman up uh, the next woman up podcast a couple of weeks ago saying how hard it is to report on snyder you, you you mentioned you mentioned he likes to sue and i actually during my reporting i actually found out that i would have sued that grandma who oh, who got sued for eighty thousand dollars that this season ticket holder um <laughs> but years ago, i was like wow i had no idea about any of this i'm like okay i would have sued her too so it, it was kind of like, you know, or I don't fault Snyder for doing that, but you, you got to be re- very careful. And, not only, and part of it is because I live here and you hear a lot and you hear a lot of rumors and you hear a lot of innuendo and most of the time it doesn't check out. This didn't come from those kind of people. And I know a lot of her, I know a lot of well, at least former employees and they all have NDAs and they don't talk to me. I didn't get any information from anybody I, that, that any of my friends, you know, plus they weren't even in this department any of these financial departments or the ticketing department anyway. So you have to be careful. And yes, yes, you did sue the city paper. And now, unfortunately, the city paper just announced layoffs and they're going to end their print publication. Not because it's not, this has been, this is years and years ago, Snyder sued the city paper, but you, you have to be careful. Not only that, it's because, you know, they have, I know their attorneys and I know their, and I know their spokespeople. And I, I, like I said, I live here, so I don't want to, uh, you know, run with anything that's unsubstantiated and i think uh i and i did so it was and uh you know i was i have more that i have that i can't report yet but there's certain things you know that uh, let's just say that the people i've talked to around the nfl or formerly in the nfl are just are not shocked about some of these allegations whether and and we did not link him to snyder we did not we did not even and these are all allegations that we don't know if this actually took place how long it took place and definitely who did who if, if it did who authorized such Steph, I'm going to give it to you really quick, then we'll open up to the panel. AJ, you, you said something interesting. You didn't link it to Snyder. Now, what Steph did, what we do as lawyers, right? We take evidence and we try to make some conclusions, right? We just try to see how the dots connect and we try to come up with some hypothesis. So that's essentially what Stephanie did. So Steph, just in, in a very 30,000 foot level, then uh, our ferocious panel up here will, will uh, kind of come after you guys with some questions. But maybe you can t- really kind of unpack where you took AJ's panel and how you connected the dots through um, some you know years back of various reports, legal filings on the Snyder case. Yeah, definitely. So I remember seeing AJ's story, obviously, right when he posted it on Saturday. And my immediate thought was financial improprieties. I feel like we've seen this before somewhere. And so then I started doing a little bit of a deep dive on on PACER, which is the court access system for federal cases. And I started looking into the three minority owners lawsuit against Snyder when they had initially tried to approach a potential buyer 
and they wanted to sell their shares. But, you know, they started this lawsuit because Snyder was not allowing them to do that. And then we know that this ended up going into arbitration because the NFL intervened. But I was just immediately thinking, you know, there was something there that we had already seen. And it was definitely that one text message from John Moog, who was the three minority owners financial consultant throughout the entire sale process, where he essentially threatened Snyder and said, I know something that you probably don't want people to find out. And if you continue on this path, you continue playing this game, I will reveal it because you can play this game too. And so I just started connecting the dots in that sense in terms of these minority owners didn't receive their annual dividends right before they started, you know, approaching buyers about selling their shares. And then you pair that with this text message from a financial consultant. And then you pair that with the fact that, you know, because Dan Snyder ended up purchasing those shares, he didn't have to open up the books and records of the team to anyone else because there were no potential buyers to look into it. He obviously already knew all those answers. And so it's definitely a a tricky situation. I would say that because there really hasn't been any super, super concrete evidence yet. All of the court documents are very heavily redacted in a lot of places where I think there probably is a lot more detail there. And I'm sure Congress, hopefully, I would assume, can get those documents unredacted. But I think, you know, this might be the last straw because the owners, obviously, and the NFL as a whole, you know, stealing revenue, you can't do that. And this is something that is directly affecting them. And they clearly should not be happy about it. And it also affects the players. I mean, that's yeah. That's a point that gets lost. If this, if this, and if this is all allegations, if this went across many seasons, and it, and it went across other CBAs even, you know, that is a lawsuit that the PA was probably going to pursue. Even if it shifted the, the, you know, we're not, from what I can, you know, I don't know exactly what percentage is alleged to who have been kept kept out of the 40% of the ticket sales that, that go to the league than, the, than that you know, of net ticket sales and then uh, for home games. And then that gets dispersed out to visiting teams. If that went across several seasons and it, and, and it shorted the NFL players' money, that's a much bigger issue than shorting the, the multi-billionaire owner's money. Um, that's going to yeah. cause a big headache. Let's open it up to the panel. Dan, Taryn, you guys are up. Yeah, I want to talk more about the reasoning behind the withholding. When you think of Dan Snyder as being this billionaire, you know, you just bought this $50 million house. Uh, AJ, you said something interesting on Al Galdi's podcast earlier this week that it's possible that Dan is actually hurting for money. Uh, Dan Snyder, obviously. And then Steph, you pointed out that a lot of this arose because Snyder withheld the dividend payments from the three, the the former minority owners. How legitimate or how realistic do you think it is that Dan Snyder is just kind of like house poor, that he is uh, hurting for money and is skimming from the franchise in order to pay other expenses? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's definitely a possibility there. And that just goes back to when he exercised his right of first refusal for, you know, entering, buying these three minority owners shares. He, according to the shareholders agreement, he was supposed to put forth an offer that was equal to the offer of the potential buyers. And his was apparently significantly less. And so, you know, there is a world where he could be hurting for money. That could be why he allegedly has two books because he's trying to keep as much money in his pocket as he can. 
And, you know, it's clearly not a good situation that he's in because now he has even more eyes on him for completely different reasons other than the already disgraceful actions that he has already been investigated for. And so I think he's really just continuing to dig a deeper, deeper hole for himself. Yeah, there was, uh, it was always odd why he didn't take the offer. There was a, there was an offer for about the same amount of money that he ended up buying the three co-owners out for, um, you know, from two uh, venture capital is in, um, in the Bay area in California. And he, and he turned that down. He, now there's, you could speculate that he turned it down because he didn't want to open the books as he would have had to, to them. And then that's two other people or maybe more. I mean, figure out they have, sure they have lawyers and accountants on there and to look into it you know there's i i don't it's it would be amazed me that any owner snyder or anyone else any nfl owner because they print money you get 300 million dollars a year for this new tv deal that covers more than covers your your um player personnel costs you know when you pick factor and coaching and everything else it pretty much covers almost a lot of your operating costs and that doesn't take in, in, into account the other streams they have, both from sports betting, ticket sales, and everything else, all these other partnerships that the owners get a piece of, and also, you know, some, and a lot they don't have to share. They only have to share this 40% really with the league uh, for tickets. It amazes people I talk to around the league that he could be hurting for money. And I did, and I did report in that Thursday story, and one of the two bullets that no one really seems to take a look at. The, the one was, you know, there, 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 there are some concerns that were expressed, um, you know, about his debt load. And he took, you know, he, he, he paid nearly a billion dollars a year ago and had to get a debt waiver. He financed a great portion of that money, which he can't, I mean, dude, any owner, when, you, when, you, when your franchise is worth four and a half billion dollars, the banks are going to give you money and they give you money at a good rate. So it's kind of, it would, it's shocking to those around the league that, that he could have money issues. And there's no indication outside of the rumors you hear around here, you know, that he does. But as he pointed out, there was some, some t- twists and turns during that. And it was in, in this is all amid the Loretta Lynch was looking into it. You know, she was going to be the arbitrator on that case before that basically, or, or the investigator, I should say, she was the investigator in that case before that ended because they sold it because, yeah, Snyder got approval to buy out those three co-owners. One other thing is, as you mentioned, the, the debt, the NFL owners allowed him to exceed the, the debt thresholds in buying out this additional Uh, these three owners. So how much of this level of forgiveness, the permissiveness from his fellow owners is because they think he is the one that's going to end up getting the Washington franchise a new stadium? Is that what this all boils down to? Really, it's about they don't want to rock the boat. I mean, the, the, even I, I was told, even if everything that I reported and it, it's true, it's not well, it's true because it was a testimony. But if what this person testified to and possibly gave over information about proves out, and even if the even if the players got shorted and there could be some kind of you know fine or anything else, just some some kind of givebacks to the PA, you know that there's still no guarantee that he'll be forced out. There was no guarantee. I found out Richardson would have been forced out if he didn't sell the Panthers. It, it's I've, I've said this before, but being an NFL owner is like being a being a justice on the Supreme Court. It takes a lot to be forced out and they don't want to set a precedent. You know, the other leagues did, you know, two other leagues did recently with Major League Baseball with Frank McCourt. And then you had obviously Sterling with the with the Clippers, but in the NBA, but it's, it's a totally different ballgame. It's a different system. There's Goodell has the authority to put someone up for for a vote, but that's not going to happen. Um, it, it's going to have to be led by a groundswell of ownership and the other owners will all have to come together and they all have to say, this is enough. We're tired of this. And right, right now that's not, it's, it's not there yet. And I respect Mike Florio and his reporting over pro, pro football talk that it could be, but it's from what I talked to, it's going to take, it's going to take a lot. 
more than than what I reported being linked directly to Snyder even. AJ, I've got a couple of questions for you. You know, I've been following your reporting on this going back a couple of months. I'm getting the sense that the House Oversight Committee has attention deficit disorder. You know, <laughs> going back at the very beginning, the focus was on the documents, the documents that the committee was demanding of the National Football League, that there were these assertions of an attorney-client privilege, you know, regarding some of the investigatory documents that Beth Wilkinson had. We haven't heard any talk about that lately. In addition, you reported that uh, Representative Jackie Spire, Congresswoman from California, who's a member of the House Oversight Committee, had thrown the gauntlet out there in the public domain about enacting legislation which would be harmful to the National Football League's interests. Number one, the repeal of the antitrust, the limited antitrust exemption uh, under the Sports Broadcasting Act. I raised the issue separately. Well, why not revisit the issue of maybe federal guidelines around relocation to really turn the screws on the National Football League. What, if anything, can you report on any progress concerning any of those other important areas? Because it just seems like the focus shifts from one subject to another. Well, what about the documents? What about those other areas of federal law? Where do we stand with those? Yeah, this has been going on. Representative Maroney, who is the chair of the committee, has, has there's multiple hearings every week, it seems like. There's one today. Um, they go over going from postal service to FDA to VA. It's, and this is all, that's all in, in the government purview. It makes more, makes sense. Those are government agencies and, you know, they should be held accountable and made better. But yeah, so this started in October after the Gruden emails. So this is the conspiracy theory. Like back when Beth Snyder leaked these emails, never believed it because basically Beth Wilkinson's investigation ended in July. The team was fined. He stepped down for some who knows why reason uh, from day-to-day operations, but then it started days later, this committee in, started this investigation and they hadn't, hasn't got much cooperation. I have some news on that later today, hopefully, and where the documents stand. But they, but this, with this well, 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 we're not, yeah, well, there's more. No, we're there's more. more. I got it. it. I, I, I have to do the exclusives through my company. You guys don't, you know, they, they do. We, we would have scheduled a podcast later had we no. not. Well, okay, I'll, 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 I'll say this. There's, it, there's, they've gotten more documents than they had before recently. So I can say that. And, no, uh, wait, so I, 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 I want to interrupt you for a second on these documents. Uh, yeah. Congress isn't like uh, civil litigation. There's no such thing. Or there's a question as to whether the attorney-client privilege is even applicable in congressional hearings, uh, they can the, the league and 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 the third party, you know, repository of these documents, they can be held in contempt of Congress if they don't produce documents pursuant yes. to the subpoena. And so, has there even been a document subpoena propounded? No, or the- not, we have no indication that subpoenas have gone out for documents or to or 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 to compel anybody to testify at this point. That in my story last week, it's, I, I reported strongly being considered and it looks like they're, they're headed that direction. But that, as of right now, there's there's no indication that they've used it. They've gotten these documents from what I, these new, this latest documents, and I don't even know what, they're still going through it, I'm hearing. I don't know how many thousands of pages were were sent over, but you know, but those were documents were, were given over voluntarily. I would say voluntarily because they've been fighting for them since October, but they uh, they got some more information in recently. How about the antitrust exemption repeal? Where does Representative Spire and where do the other committee members stand with respect to possible legislative repercussions? Yeah, Jackie Spear was actually yeah, told me she was basically you know that's it's 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 outdated. They should change it. They don't need this antitrust. You know, it it, it was given to them. So they could um, basically organize uh, the owners can come together and have one TV deal for the entire league. 
so that's kind of what how that came that came about in the 60s and obviously the tv landscapes change like well they're streaming now they don't need this anymore you know kind of thing oh, um but somebody has to introduce so, a bill is anyone going to exactly a bill? that's the whole thing well they they always use the antitrust as a threat they never ever seem serious to, to actually change it and you know it's it, and we have we're, we're in a war right now there's a war in ukraine right now there's a lot of things going on we have high inflation so there's a lot of blowback. I mean, even amongst former Democratic members of this committee I've talked to are like, why are they on this right now? Like, what's the end game? It looks like they're singling out Snyder. And this is somebody who is not friendly with Snyder. Like, it looks like they're singling out. They're worried, like, then if this, and also the clock is ticking. If this House changes to to the GOP side in the next election, this investigation's over. So the, so the clock's ticking there, whether they have to do a subpoena hearing, whatever. Yeah, Jackie Spears said hey, she expects a hearing and to get able to testify. But until, I think, the next should have dropped be the knowledge of that subpoenas have gone out. And I know people, this is all secondhand, who are almost welcoming the subpoenas because there's so much there's NDAs all over the place in, in this story. And it, it makes it harder to report. And uh, that's why they exist, I think. Um, but there's uh, there's definitely, you know, there's questions of whether how long, not not how serious, because they're, they're taking this seriously, but, you know, they have it's a large committee, but they have some different things going. Um, you mentioned the attention <laughs> Maybe some ADD going on, but um, as somebody who has it, I can understand that. But they, oh, they she, I, I, by the way, I, I think I have it. I didn't mean anything. Uh, no, 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 no. Oh, no, no. Yeah. I, I use the words. It's fine. And, uh, so it's kind of so it's like, you know, it's it's there's she has so much. The, the committee has so much stuff going on at once. And this is just one of them. And you could argue it's among the least probably the for, for the nation. It's probably the least uh, worrisome when it comes to when you're thinking about other government agencies who are, may not be operating correctly you know that which is their purview but it's you know they 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 people i've talked to even former democrats are i'm sorry democrats who are, are, are on the committee are worried that if it changes what if this what if this committee starts going after one person like they seem to be going after dan snyder that sets a bad precedent that that you know especially in, in this climate we have and you watch the if you watch the round table it was partisan very partisan this is not this is not the bipartisan hearings under that uh, the same committee did uh, for the uh, baseball steroid era, you know, yeah. where there was actually a serious threat to antitrust at that point. I think that was serious. And I think they I think uh, Tom Davis and Henry Waxman, the head of the committees, Democrat, Republican and Democrat, worked together on that. There's no cooperation. this time. It may be illegal, AJ, because the uh, legislative committee or the House Oversight Committee's purview and, and investigative powers are limited to lawmaking. Right. You know, to review and consider prospective laws going forward. What they're not allowed to do is to take on a law enforcement function and target individuals and investigate individuals. And it really seems that this committee's work straddles that line. And, and one one possible line of attack for Dan Snyder and the National Football League is that this is really not about you know, perspective lawmaking around the validity of NDAs. This is really a targeted investigation, you know, selectively singling out somebody that is viewed as a, as a, as a bad actor. And that might go beyond this committee's constitutional authority. So that could be one of the reasons why there's a lot of talk and not necessarily a lot of action behind it. Yeah, and the motivations of the committee is, yeah, that's, there's always theories about why they got going on this besides the media exposure that was created with the Gruden emails. So, Steph, let me jump back to you quick, and then uh, I just I want to make sure we, we don't lose sight of this, right? Snyder's story is one piece of a larger puzzle. And, AJ, you, you pointed out Mike Florio has some 
don't know if it's reporting or just his hunches that this is going to be the straw that breaks the camel's back. Snyder, we've been to this well before, whether he's going to be forced to sell the team. One thing that we haven't mentioned on, on this Zoom are reports that Dan Snyder has really been away from the team, away from the front office for... I don't know. I, I think it's I think it's about a year. So I not not my reporting age. I don't think yours, but my understanding is that maybe an off the record punishment coming out of the uh... that's what it seemed like a double secret probation. It, it was. Huh. It's been so you know. I I talked to Jerry Jones an hour before Goodell basically hinted at reinstatement in in, in, in that news conference down there in, in West Palm Beach at the Breakers, and it was just like I mean, it was like what did he just say? I mean, part of his comment about needing needing to talk to Snyder now makes sense because the league at that point had known for for at least a week or so about this testimony that was given. So needing to talk to Snyder part makes sense to me now. Didn't make sense to me at all that Tuesday, but it was, it didn't make any sense because like his people said it was to concentrate on the stadium. And, you know, there was the the league didn't, Beth Wilkinson didn't recommend him that we know of, didn't recommend of him to step down. Um, There may have been other recommendations that, why there wasn't a written report, you know, <laughs> but that could have impacted Snyder. Yeah, there was nothing public that that he couldn't run the team, that he couldn't be around the team. And, he, and, he, and he's been in exit interviews. He's been talking to coaches this entire time, since July, since he, since he, since, since uh, Tanya, his wife, became the co-CEO and co-owner. He, he's had involvement and he was never the most involved owner anyway. I mean, his early days, yes. When he, when he took over the team the first probably five, six years, very, very hands-on, but, he, but over the last few after he'd been criticized for being too hands-on, he let other people run it, and you could, you could, you know, you could blame Dan Snyder for not putting the best people in those positions for sure. But you can't fault him for everything, all the crap that's gone on. Not every single little thing over the last, you know, twenty, almost twenty-three years. A good portion of it is 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 his fault. You know, the biggest thing is he, the team sucks. The team doesn't win. So when you when when the team doesn't win. You have very your, your leash is so short among fans. You know you're not they're going to come down on you for every little thing. If he took the team to the Super Bowl last season, if he took or took a team won a Super Bowl during his 22 plus years, this would not probably be as big of a deal. It's hey, they signed Albert Hainsworth once. That was a big deal. Oh yeah, that was great. Yeah, making him making him almost get heat stroke doing his drills there. Oh uh, yeah, that was great. But so hey, it, there's been so me, there's just there's just certain things you can't remove everything you know you can't link everything to Dan Snyder even though he is kind of the he's the source for a lot of it yes Steph I'll give you this one this is my last one on the you know maybe the next chapter of this saga there was a, a one of the former employees provided testimony that I think was maybe the impetus of this uh, the new tickets uh, ticket story there's also testimony that was provided about you know this kind of video coming out this uh you know scantily clad cheerleader photo shoot video so there there are rumblings about defamation lawsuits being filed against the team i don't know if you've you've, you've seen this stuff but i'm, I'm gonna hand yeah. it to you. you do you think there's any dan snyder's filed defamation suits before i mean do, do you see another one coming out of this testimony defamation as in against the employee who testified i actually think it's defamation from the employee so the employee i think is threatening to sue the organization yeah lisa katz did yeah they did threaten that basically and and and, and the team is like bring it on basically that's the response so Steph, go yeah. for it. i mean personally it's pretty hard to bring a defamation suit because the elements are so clear and the statement has to be false it has to have caused injury it has to be a statement of fact, which could be a big thing also. So, you know, if what the team is saying is true, then clearly they can't bring a defamation suit because it would be factual. I mean, I don't think that they have a strong case in terms of defamation just based on the actual legal elements. But I do think that 
if the team was hiding something, they would have responded in the same exact way that they did. They didn't really come out very sh- with a very strong statement, in my opinion. And I think that that might clue people into the fact that they might be starting to get a little bit worried on their end, too. Speaking of strong statements, uh, as you, AJ alluded to, um, Lisa Banks, the attorney for the former Washington employees, two of which we've had on our, our show before, basically came forward with a statement that said Jason Friedman, who served as the VP of sales for the team from 96 to 2020, testified truthfully and with evidence. So she's basically saying, you know, the fact that Washington is saying that, you know, there's no evidence and there's no support that essentially amounts to defamation. And Friedman, unlike Dan Snyder, is not a public figure. So can have certainly. um... Yeah, this is like I'm going to get into that a little bit. I was shocked the athletic ran his name. I mean, that we're talking, I knew the name. I know, I, know, I, know, I know the name of somebody else who testified who was a, more of a public figure than a, than a longtime ticket employee. I thought it was bad form. I thought running his name, you know, having somebody who looks like under an NDA who can't respond, you know, running that name is doing, you know, especially not knowing the full story because that story was, did, you know, there's, there was something turned over. And Katz confirmed my reporting from, sun, from Saturday that there was evidence turned over. That evidence apparently could back up his story. So, you know, having the athletic put his name out there, which I was shocked that mm-hmm. that, that happened. So that so now his name's in the public domain. So and then so then the commander commander is like, we didn't name him. I'm like, well, you just came down on the employee. You can, people can put two and two together. I don't think this would be a defamation type it, thing. It, it, but it's, just, it's not a victim of a sexual assault. I, I, you know, naming him is known. Yeah. But he's still under an, I mean, but he can't respond. I mean, that's the whole thing. It's like you, these are supposed to be secret hearings. And I know I got, I know I got whiff of it. Yes, I reported on it. But these, you know, putting someone's name in the public domain who can't defend himself because he contractually, as the lawyer said, contractually unable to, you know, that's, that's kind of, that's, that's tough. He put himself into the public domain by agreeing to testify. You know, is, is this going to be like a secret, you know, shadow proceeding without any transparency around it? We're going to have like uh, these shadow congressional committees meeting with people in secret. I think this is, this rises to the level of newsworthiness and being named doesn't subject them to any greater legal jeopardy because everyone knew who he no. was. Oh yeah. Everybody knew who he was. I just think it's getting me, getting him out there, getting the name out there. It just kind of just opened up a can of worms that people are, you know, for, people are going to be out there looking to talk to him and he's going to be even more of a danger of talking to somebody that he probably shouldn't have. Yeah, no, I completely agree with you, AJ, in the sense that, you know, it should be his right to come forward if he wants to in the public domain. Obviously he probably testified thinking that his name wasn't going to get out. And I don't think it's right for, you know, a publication to go ahead and make that choice for him, especially when, Everything that has been surrounding the Washington commanders, whether it's the financial improprieties or the sexual harassment allegations, you know, it's a sensitive subject. And so I don't think I don't think they should have named him. But, you know, it, it's out there now. So, yeah, we'll see what so happens. that's. Yeah, that's the whole thing. I don't if if he was allowed to talk as freely to the committee as he would to be to us in the public, I no problem with it. But I just, you know, just I just knowing how these teams, not just the, not, it's not just the commanders, it's the most almost it's universal in pro sports is NDAs. It's part of your severance package typically too. When you when, when you leave the team, you have to sign it. So um, and if you violate it, they can come after you. And I think some teams probably more more uh, viciously than other, others do 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 that. So that's that that was my whole point. 
And also, what I want to know, and it's the kind of question for you guys, the Democrat side has not confirmed the evidence that was turned over. That was my source, that there was something turned over. That's why I said non, non-first-person testimony. The evidence that was referenced in this uh, former ticket employee's lawyer on Monday, and uh, I have questions of what whether they could, you know, there's whistleblower protection, but it, it, it depends on when he obtained it, how he obtained it, whether it could be, whether they haven't acknowledged that, that they have it the Democratic side yet or the Republican, because it wasn't in the transcript. The transcript of the testimony did not mention any evidence. So maybe they're, maybe I'm, I'm guessing maybe they're trying to, trying to figure out, this is all, this is all my guess, that they could tr- try to figure out the providence of it to see if they, if it's going to be able to use to back up what he says. I mean, your guess is as good as ours, right? AJ, you're in the weeds. I mean, I imagine we haven't heard the end of the House Oversight Committee's uh, saga and additional potential more testimony on it, but we'll see. I mean, this, this has been an ongoing Somebody asked, I know Steph, they asked you on on, uh, on the team, our friends, uh, Chris Russell and, and Pete Bedhurst, you know, how, how much longer could this go? This has been going on. It's been going on at least before the Super Bowl. So I don't know. October. Yeah, October now. It's been going on a long time. Yeah. So that's that's what happens. And Dan, Dan alluded to it. You know, the, it, there's a reason you don't want the government sniffing around in your stuff. So. I don't know, AJ. To your to your point, I don't I don't know when when that would come out. But uh, if there is evidence floating around out there, and now there's being uh, public media reports uh, referencing and statements referencing additional evidence, I'd be surprised if that doesn't see the light of day. Um, it would be yeah. yeah I think um, that would be. Uh, I don't know whether whether we'll get it or just we'll like, stay at the committee. But you know, obviously, I would love to see it. But so yeah, that's that would just I would that would just kind of like a reason why the you know they and the and and the Democratic side does not say much of anything. I got the statement before the Thursday story. That's pretty much all I got out of them for a couple months. To be clear with the uh, the defamation stuff, just jumping back, we didn't name him is not necessarily like a dispositive defense. You don't necessarily need to name someone to be yeah. liable for that. It's uh, just so that they can be reasonably identifiable, I think is the standard. But so defamation to quad or so, uh, I mean, it's been so many years since law school. There are two types of defamation and one is where the person is named, and then the other is where you provide enough information where it's pretty clear who we're talking about, even if it's if the, the the person is not explicitly named. Uh, did I have the title right? Defamation de quad. It's a term in it's a term in the, in the law to distinguish between two types of defamation, both of which are actionable. I'll take I, your word for it. Yeah, yeah, I think that's right. Sounds right. Yeah, the, yeah. You know, it's been 20 uh, years since my media law class, so I'm, I'm not going AJ Perez. I'm not going to mention his name, but, you know, a certain reporter you know, who breaks stories for front office sports. <laughs> now you can't sue me. I didn't name you, but uh, it covers yeah. situations like that. Yeah, so, and that's, um, I, that's why I took pains not to even say that he was a ticket employee in that first story. Former so, ticket employee. You mentioned how long this has been going on with the committee. Is it just kind of a, a wait and see from here, or is there anything that you're really looking out for that we can expect in the next couple of weeks? I think uh, if if they get if they did get this document dump, which I'm trying to verify, um, they're going to be going through that, and who knows what what they received out of it. It looks like it's the largest document, uh, you know, cache of documents they've gotten since October when this all started. So it depends on what what that shows, and I think if they believe what he would what what they were told by this by this former employee and especially if he provided any kind of evidence to back that up i would see subpoenas you know outside of after these documents go or go are, are gone through uh, i would i would see subpoenas for, for either more information or actually testimony i think and and then that's gonna be the strongest indicator we'll have an actual hearing which jackie spear told me that was pretty much expected with uh, and then i'll 
Goodell doesn't have to be compelled to, compelled to testify. He will testify voluntarily. Now, the other anybody else they try to get in there, bite a subpoena or need a subpoena. Now, that's we're pretty far down the road, and it's not. You know, they're gonna. I don't. I don't expect that all this work to not have a hearing, and you have to have a hearing before December because you know, or at least early January, because the the it's probably it'll probably have to be before the before the the November election. Even I think they're gonna have to, you know, over the next three or four months, they're gonna have to you know, move on this or else it's been a waste of resources and you can knock them for, for, you know, having a hearing, but if they worked all, how many hours and how many, you know, over many hours over many, many weeks, months, and, and it doesn't come to a hearing, that was a wasted effort. And I think they're, they're going to want to have some kind of uh, finality of it. And it's going to be a, it's going to be, I almost said that it's going to be a, it's going to be a, a very uh, contentious one because the GOP side we saw is going to, from that statement Thursday and from the, the roundtable hearing, you know, they are not playing around. They don't think this is should be this should, this should be any part of the government uh, oversights uh, committee's purview. You know, the House should not be weighing in on a, on a private entity like the NFL or especially one team or one team owner. They don't they don't see the benefit uh, to 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 the taxpayers now. Whether that's motivated by politics, because Snyder is a big GOP donor, who knows? I'm not gonna I'm not gonna venture a guess there. Also, I I I will note that though. AJ, Steph, thank you for. Uh on the hot seat with us um but obviously more to come on this we got a lot of uh, washington people looking at our feed a lot of former employees so obviously uh you know we'll keep our eye on it aj thank you for breaking the news here uh, and uh thank you for coming on buddy thanks for having me so that was aj perez you can find him on social media at by aj perez great handle uh and uh yeah aj is uh, is certainly a wealth of information dan let's start with you what do you think well, you know, AJ is always a, a good interview. And, and the amazing thing about him is he breaks stories, no matter who he works for, USA Today, front office sports, he has this knack for you know, sort of getting behind the, uh, uh, the doors, so to speak, and, and get the kind of information that no one else is, is you know, able to break. But I'm, I'm a little bit concerned here. This investigation seems to lack focus. It moves from one topic to another. And, and I don't know, I'm a little skeptical. As to whether, you know, I, I don't care what kind of money problems he has. I don't think any one of us wouldn't trade places with Dan Snyder financially in, in like two seconds flat. And the notion that he would be skimming money from his fellow owners on nothing more than, a, than, than sort of a lower, lower level employee of the football team without any kind of documentation. I'm not quite ready to, to assume facts not in evidence. I find this to be incredibly difficult to believe. But on a larger scale, the um, seemingly all over the map focus of the House Oversight Committee, it just seem, they just seem to be chasing cr- breadcrumbs and not honing in on the real issue of sexual harassment and the notion of these NDAs, which was the purpose why this committee was formed and, and the purpose of this investigation. They seem to be just going after Dan Snyder and not staying with the issue at hand, which is sexual harassment in the workplace. And that is a major red flag as far as I'm concerned, because it shows that maybe they don't have anything and they're just and they're going to win. They're trying to win the headline and not necessarily do any meaningful investigation, because if I was on that committee, you better believe that subpoenas would be propounded. And I'd be I'd be I'd be lighting a fire under some of these witnesses, the National Football League, Dan Snyder. There would be people hauled before my committee. None of that has happened yet. And that, to me, is inexplicable. Well, hashtag release the emails. Let's not forget how we got started in this. It said that if, if someone's going to get the emails, it's going to be the House Oversight Committee. It's going to be the government. 
As far as I know, the emails have not been released. So to to your point, uh, 100%, the messaging, right, is that, uh, you know, maybe they're filibustering, they're buying time. But I don't I don't think that that pint of blood that we expected the government to get, you know, maybe maybe there's a reading that they're, you know, no stone unturned. They're looking at all these different avenues. But to your point, like the emails, that's where we got started with this whole nonsense, those thousands of pages of emails. So, yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, I, I'm cautiously I'm a glass half full guy. I'm a cautiously optimistic guy. But, uh, you know, it's like Dan, I, I at my house, we uh, we have a fireplace. My first time messing around with fires. There's still embers in the fire. This thing's still going. It's not out yet, but uh, it's not as hot as it was. Well, we're not we're not too far away from you and I covering the St. Louis, Missouri story and being uh, sort of adopted Missourians. You know, you got to show me, you know, the show me state and the House Oversight Committee has had this on such a long fuse that uh, I'm beginning to wonder whether they're going to ever get anything accomplished. Steph, Taryn, you guys uh, both at one point, I'm not going to hold it to it now, but at one point you were both Washington football fans. What is the what is the word on the street? Is is like is this going to be the time that he's out? I mean, like we didn't make the Brian Flores comparison. You know, Stephen Ross is alleged to have uh, you know bribed the head coach to lose games. People are like, oh, maybe Stephen Ross is going to lose his team. But I'm like, I don't know. And Mike Florio said it. I know AJ hit on it. Like, I don't know if it's if it's if it's true. If established, you know, certainly bribing a coach to lose games should result in the sale of your team. But stealing money from other owners, I think, is a if established, right? That's another one that's. Seems to be a home run. What's what's the word in Washington? Well, first, I want to clarify. Uh, saying that I was ever a, team, a fan of the Washington football team slash Redskins slash now Commanders, let's use that term lightly, fan. Can't exactly say I was a fan, but I can say that I have never been a fan of Snyder. So What does that mean? We've, you've been I on the podcast and acknowledged that you've been a fan of the franchise. No, no I've one. always said... There's I've always line. said that I never liked them. No, that's that's false. Yeah, I, you grew, you grew I, I'm not sure if we fan. ever said that she was a fan, but she's yeah. from Maryland. I I'm think we assumed Maryland. that. I definitely grew up rooting for the Redskins. Like, Sean Taylor was my favorite player. I, I loved them. So, yeah. Steph, hold on. We're not something. letting Steph off the hook here. Were, were you, are you Dan, lying you for, or are you lying you now? For, Something's do happening. You for, do you forget tearing my plan about the egging? How yeah. could you forget that? Yeah, but the, the, you have a love. That's actually why he bought the $50 million house, the new house, so that we wouldn't know where to go. Well, <laughs> that's because he put like a 100-yard moat in front of it. So no no one's going to throw an egg 100 yards unless you're, uh, unless you're at the combine. Um, okay, so uh, I guess, Taryn, Steph, there's, maybe there's not much to say here. I think we, we've hit this a bunch. Actually, no, Taryn. What, what, yeah. What, what, no, I, I came away from our conversation with AJ feeling like less optimistic that there was going to be any change. I, I'm just – very convinced that there's nothing that's going to tip the scales for the other owners. They're willing to overlook almost everything that this guy does because, you know, I guess they're pursuing the new stadium, but really what it is, like AJ said, they don't want to set a bar, whatever it is. They don't want to set something that they're going to be held to. Currently there's no standard. They police themselves and very loosely, I might add the guy who's in charge of policing them, they employ him. So there's almost no repercussions for any of the things that they do. And I just don't think that they're going to all of a sudden gain some sort of conscience where they're setting one for themselves. So I, I don't think he's going anywhere. I'll be pleasantly surprised if he, if he does, but I don't see it happening. And I bet that they're going to get a bunch of public money to build a stadium for a team that everyone is, is really sick of. Well, every begin to think that maybe Dan Snyder has a lot of dirt on all the other owners. <laughs> that might be. I it. mean, 
that he has the ultimate like insurance policy. I mean, 20 years of NFL meetings. And if they try to get rid of him, he's going to set the house on fire. Look what he does to all of his former partners. You know, a, a, you know, a former partner becomes a future defendant. That's why he's still there, because that's where he could do the least amount of harm to the National Football League. The moment they try to, you know, uh, you, know you know, terminate his ownership and dissolve his ownership interest, then, oh, my God, it's going to be it's going to be World War Three. So the safest place for the rest of the owners is to keep him exactly where he is. OK, so uh, obviously, you know, we'll, we'll stay on top of it as uh, we have a busy, busy week of sports. You know, we, uh, we got a couple things on the horizon. So uh, my favorite segment, what to watch for. I will start us off um, but before I do. Let us remind everyone this podcast is sponsored by Underdog Fantasy. So uh, they have some Masters picks, which uh, I think we're going to get into uh, a little bit. Uh, They have some baseball picks. They have a baseball battle royal, which is basically enter in for five bucks. And then it's like, uh, you know, best best man wins. So baseball opening day is around the corner, which I know, Taryn, you're going to hit. You know, but Underdog Fantasy, I was watching. um, I was away for work this past week in Colorado and I was watching NFL Network. And it was one of the primetime spots on Good Morning Football. And they go, we'll be right back or something. And they go to commercial break. And the first commercial is like underdog fantasy. And I'm like, whoa, underdog fantasy, NFL network, conduct detrimental. We're right there. It's We're neck and neck. We're just right there. Peter Schrager. Like, it's just like we're basically uh, in, in the conversation. So, um, yeah, underdog fantasy. You want to check it out. Use our promo code conduct. They'll hook you up. And uh, I'm thinking... As a group, you know, like we had some fun with March Madness. We'll have the winner on Kevin Darby over at Ford, and we'll have him on soon enough. But I think that was fun. Maybe we'll do some uh, some pools with underdogs, some baseball, some masters. But uh, that said, let us jump into what to watch for. Taryn, I alluded to it. Baseball opening days this week. How you feeling? Well, you know, Dan, I had a rough last weekend because of the Final Four. So really, I've been. You want to talk about it? Look, nope, don't want to talk about it at all. Never wait, want were to you talk about wait? Were you rooting for Villanova? Never want to talk about it again. And oh, dude. Oh, dude. At least Steph was happy because of the women's final four. The South Carolina oh, women. Were yeah. But Emily was Emily was very dejected because she had UConn. So everyone's now unhappy. Um, <laughs> Except for me. <laughs> Except for you. me. Go Gamecocks. Okay. Go ahead. Yeah. No. So I, I've been needing baseball and I decided to treat myself for graduation. I got season tickets for the Twins. It's the first time that I've ever had season tickets for anything. But when they signed Correa, and in light of my impending graduation, hopefully, that I, I decided that I was going to go to a bunch of baseball games while studying for the bar. So uh, we've got opening day. It just got pushed back. It'll be on Friday now. Really, really excited. You know, hope springs eternal. Baseball. It's like the most romantic sport. And it's going to be back this week. And I'm so excited to have just like, eight months of this. So, uh, Steph, while baseball is starting up, basketball is winding down the end of the regular season. Uh, as you know, I like to throw some futures bets all around. I have a nice ticket, speaking of sports betting, on the Phoenix Suns to win the NBA championship. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I might be uh, hitting the ripcord early on the Suns if I'm not feeling uh, feeling it. But right now, i got a good ticket. So, I know uh, – I have a feeling you, you like a certain team in the Eastern Conference, though. Uh, you could say that, you know, uh, the Milwaukee Bucks officially clinched, clinched a playoff berth in the Eastern Conference. So, you know, this will be the second, sixth straight postseason appearance for the defending champions, Giannis the Greek Freak. I am expecting lots of 40 plus points, point games out of him. 
Unfortunately, I also uh, did a futures bet for the Warriors at the beginning of the season. And with Steph Curry out now, that is not looking too good for me. So I, I wish I had the Bucks on that. But, you know, rooting for them going forward and also looking forward to the Masters coming up. That's one of my favorite times. So we'll see what happens. Dan, what do we got on the, on the legislative end? Uh, it's not really legislative. It's kind of uh, on the executive branch of the New York state government We're waiting for the New York state budget to be finalized. That has two repercussions in sports gambling, as well as in the national football league, the state budget was due last Friday, April 1st. They're going to finalize it within the next 24 hours. And we will find out by the end of the day, Thursday, I would think whether the Buffalo bills are going to receive any public monies from New York state on our prior episode uh, we mentioned that there was an earmark of $850 million in the state budget or the proposed state budget to go to the bills, $600 million from New York State, $250 million locally from Erie County. And it looks like that money is going to remain in the budget and that Governor Hochul uh, has you know, sort of prevailed on that issue despite all the pushback from the New York Post and lawmakers from the southern part of the state. So it looks like the bills are going to stay put in Buffalo if this budget uh, item goes through and they get $850 million, which would mean that the bills and the, the NFL are going to be responsible for $550 million on a $1.4 billion overall stadium. And importantly, all cost overruns are going to be on the watch of the Buffalo Bills. So the, the, the top line dollar amount from the state, it's going to be $600 million, which I think is somewhat within reason with what the Tennessee Titans are going to go through. So that's issue number one. And then the second issue is waiting to see whether the budget will include any provision to increase the number of online sports betting licenses, as well as three new New York City casinos. And it's going to be a split verdict. My sources and the reporting on this issue suggest that online sports betting is going to remain intact, no changes, but the city of New York will be getting three casinos uh, to be selected and cited before the end of the calendar year 2023. And that's a really big deal for the city of New York, which has no casinos at the moment. And we're talking about license fees of $1 billion per casino. So that's going to inject uh, immediately $3 billion in the New York state budget, not to mention all the tax revenue associated with casino gambling. So that's a really big story in the world of gaming. Let us hope you're right. Uh, the one thing we did not hit on, we hit on Masters. We hit on uh, new bills coming down in, in New York, maybe new, some new casinos, baseball. Formula One, guys. Formula One is hot. Uh, I think everyone's now become a Formula One fan the last like, year. Um, let's just say, uh, Steph, I turned you down onto it about two years ago. Listen, I, yep. I drive to survive. I, listen, I, I wasn't the first one here, but I was certainly the first wave of like domestic fans. So uh, hey, we're, we're in... We're in talks to uh, go to the Austin Formula One race in October. So okay, well, they, they hook me up as well. That's uh, I, I, I'm not I'm not opposed. Well, let's see, Melbourne Grand Prix this weekend. I know Austin, Miami, Las Vegas announced the race. So maybe at some point we've had a couple people reach out. As and this is not a joke, law students have reached out to do a catch-all episode on like older legal controversies in Formula One. We are. We don't discriminate. All, all things sports law will cover it. I know there's a Puerto Rican horse racing story that was on my radar. Maybe next week. Maybe next week. But um, yeah, I think, uh, guys, I think we can put this episode in the ra- in, in the books. We got, a, we got a lot of moving parts here. Got a lot of different topics. Yeah, so so let's do it. Um, New York Law School is having their sports law symposium Thursday and Friday. I'm going to be there in person. Um, so we'll continue to, uh, you know, represent conduct well. Um, Stephanie, you're moderating that. 
IP panel. And um, yeah, so, um, oh, and the one thing I did not want to forget, Taryn, huge shout out to you, my friend. Yeah. Taryn, oh, all of a sudden, he's just like Mr. NIL. Taryn, what, what is your official title for Minnesota's NIL clinic? What do you like, the, the founder, the chairperson? These are some fancy titles here. When I pass the bar, I'm going to be an adjunct professor. So I'll adjunct be teaching professor. it. Um, yeah, it's really exciting. We're launching this uh, sports and NIL clinic. It's for all, we're targeting college students that are involved in everything. Anyone that can take advantage of those publicity rights. But uh, I have a feeling that a lot of those will be student athletes. But this is really exciting. It's a launching pad for our sports law program, something that we haven't really had to this point. And credit to my classmates in the Sports Law Association in my year, we came in as 1L saying, man, it would be really nice if we had more sports law opportunities because we had this interest. And everyone has really worked together to get to this point. So we think that this is going to be a great, a very attractive feature for Minnesota law to uh, have this program. We're really excited. Okay. So, uh, Taryn, excellent job, buddy. Uh, we'll put this one in the books. Uh, I mentioned it on social. We uh, are really up. I wasn't joking. The number is about 410% between March of 2021 and 2020. So we want to thank everyone for listening. We're now in 100 countries. Shout out to uh, our friends in Macedonia. I'm not sure why there are people listening to us there, but shout out to you guys. And uh, yeah, so we'll put this in the books and uh, conicdetrimental.com at condetrimental. And we'll see everyone next time on another episode of Conic Detrimental.